The Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation. Annex Wealth Management is a proud member of the Barron's Top Advisor List and the Financial Times Top 300. Know the difference. It's Team Tech Trust. And good morning, Southwest Florida. Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News is on the air. It's a pleasure to have you here. we only got 30 minutes, so we're going to get right to it. Brian Fiore, our branch director at Annex Wealth Management, will check in. RMDs are back for 2021. What do you need to know? Also, musicians selling their publishing catalog. What is the application for your estate plan? There is a connection. I'm Danny Clayton. Derek Felsky, our chief investment officer. Good morning to you. Good morning, Danny. Dave Spano, president and CEO, Annex Wealth Management, the leader of the band. Good morning to you. Good morning to you. Yeah, it was a little rainy earlier this week, and so now it's it's nice. But I, we, you know, we have to tell you, there is so much news that has been coming out and so much to digest. You, you know, let's start a little bit with the economic news, and then we'll move into the earnings season, and then talk a little bit about the tax plan that's being floated. But let's start with what happened on Friday morning, Derek. Well, on Friday morning, we got uh, additional data on the health of the housing market, new home sales over a million units in March, uh, much better. Better than expected. Uh, the home builders has been a very strong uh, sector in the markets, and the housing market continues to do well, and there's a lack of available supply. And not only here in Southwest Florida, but around the country, we had a, a local realtor tell us that supply may be down as much as 70% uh, in our marketplace here. So there's no question that that is affecting. And then, of course, try to get some furniture or anything else that goes into it. You know, when you think about furniture, for example, that's lumber and that's foam, both things that are on short supply. So we're starting to see that, and that's not here, but it's around the country. So when we look at these economic details, we have to pay attention to it because supply chain is part of the issue. The other thing that we saw, Derek, was U.S. initial job claims fell again. Right. The labor market's improving. We've got two weeks in a row of notably improving labor market data, so the jobs market is gradually repairing itself. The other thing I just want to add on the housing is Redfin actually came out and said that a record 43% of homes were sold above their listing price during the past month, while the number of active listings fell to new all-time lows. So for those of you thinking about perhaps downsizing, this is a perfect time to consider it. Well, it's funny because you saw that Steve Stricker, after he won uh, at Tiburon last week, said he did sell his his home because he said the market's too good to pass. And so someone offered him some money. But uh, there's no question that, that we are looking at that. Let's transition, if we can, to the earnings season that's in front of us, Derek, because so far, so good. Earnings season has been uh, spectacular. Uh, at the beginning of the quarter, uh, the thought was we'd see about 24% year-over-year growth in earnings. That estimate is now up north of 30%, and estimates for Q2 are now at 55%. So the next two quarters, we're going to see incredible rates of earnings growth against a comparisons from the pandemic period in which the economy was partially and then totally shut down. So don't just focus on the year-over-year. Focus on the guidance going forward, because that's ultimately what's going to drive stock prices. Yeah, that's right. So 95% of those surprises are coming forward. But again, as you just said, that report card is looking in the rearview mirror. The guidance is talking about what they think. When you have 95% of stocks trading over their 200-day moving average, that's something to pay attention to for sure. But some interesting news that came out of some of these companies that that reported, you know, financial
financial stocks was one of them. Yeah, the financials, uh, they over-reserved. You know, when banks report earnings, typically they'll look at their loan books and try to consider where the economy is going. So last year, they took tremendous reserves, thinking they may have losses as the economy weakened. Uh, but J.P. Morgan, for example, uh, brought back $5.2 billion in reserves. Again, that ha- that helps their economic results. And the other thing that's important on financials is they're now going to start to be able to buy back shares, hi- hike their dividends and the like. Uh, so that's a positive development. Well, and that buyback activity is expected to spread uh, across industries depending upon their cyclicality and what management thinks about their future prospects. Well, and, you know, buybacks was highly criticized, you'll remember, a year ago, especially politically, because people were saying, you know, they're buying back their stock instead of reserving. And we thought that was interesting as well. So there was buybacks that were stopped in some industries. I think boardrooms will be very prudent going forward about how they use them. But the other thought that, you know, we look at financials is Archegos, which was a hedge fund that blew up, put a lot of pressure on Morgan Stanley and Credit Suisse. And I don't think that story's over quite yet. No, it's not. And it really it really requires further analysis by the SEC, because in these cases, you know, a, a firm was able to do business with multiple t- prime brokers at the same time, which made it very difficult for them to assess what the total risk of that of that client was to their books. We've also seen issues concerning SPACs, these special purpose acquisition corporations, where the sponsors, essentially the, 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 uh, the underwriter, found a business to buy, yet they're able to sell their shares without, you know, basically informing those that, that subscribe subsequent to that without any kind of lockup holding period, which is typical what you see in IPOs. So the SPAC market has come under some attack recently as well, and that's an SEC issue they need to investigate further. A lot more to come and a lot more to talk about, Danny. Dave, with everything that's going on, everything we're talking about, there are so many good signs, and then there are those headwinds. How are people feeling that you're coming in contact with? Well, they're, they're getting to the point where they're concerned and saying, we've come so far, so fast. Where do we go from here? That's what we do on our one-on-one meetings. You bet. And it starts with a free portfolio analysis. You can start that on a Sunday morning for sure. Head to AnnexWealth.com. While you're there, click that Get Started button, but read the Know the Difference checklist. We believe that is the key to the way that Annex Wealth Management operates with you. It's one team, one plan, and one fee as a fee-only fiduciary. More to come. Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. It starts with a call. With one call, you can start seeing your future more clearly. If your financial picture is cloudy because you're getting conflicting tax, investment, and estate planning advice, help is a call or a click away. Annex Wealth Management's team works to get your investment plan in line with your tax plan and your estate plan. Build confidence with one team working to create one comprehensive plan as a fee-only fiduciary. Annex Wealth Management. One team, one plan, one fee. AnnexWealth.com. Planning and investment insight from a fee-only fiduciary, and we put that in writing. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? Many times a musician is somebody who puts $5,000 worth of gear into a $500 car to drive 100 miles for a $50 gig. But not everybody. Yeah, there's money in touring and selling merchandise, but the big money is publishing. Whoever wrote the songs gets the royalties. Jill Martin is an estate planning attorney at Annex Wealth Management and is back to talk about this. Hey, Jill. Hi, Danny. Yeah, we talk about this all the time. It's fun stuff. A number of big names in music who've sold their catalog of publishing and some pretty staggering amounts. Bob Dylan, what was that, 300 to 400 million bucks? Stevie Nicks, Fleetwood Mac sold 80% of her catalog for $100 million. Neil Young, half of his, that was $150 million. And there's just story after story. There is. And it shows that there's value to be made there. 
There are four reasons that I found that this is happening. The first is that the valuations are skyrocketing. Number two, all tours were put on the shelf and the pandemic hit, so they're not making any money. Right, and they need to pay their band and their support staff, yeah, right? Yeah, a lot. The third is ample tax benefits, and let's talk about that real quick. What I found out is that musicians are privy to a special tax rate of 20% in capital gains tax rates on their music. Now, if they had to pay ordinary tax rates, it would be 37% on their earnings. Like with Dylan, his catalog sold for, say it was $300 million, 20% tax, that would be $60 million. bucks. But 37%, $51 million more. Ouch. Yeah, that's the extent of our tax research on that. Joe Martin is a state planning attorney at Annex Wealth Management. We're going to talk about the estate planning aspect behind musicians selling their music catalogs. And the fourth is artists don't want their catalogs fought over in court. Well, that's a big one, right? Let's think about Michael Jackson. Remember when he passed away, there was a battle about who has the rights to sell his music or to get the royalties or decide whether the music's going to be used in a commercial. That's a big thing. Well, you've got Prince. you got Aretha Franklin. We've talked about her. James Brown, what a mess that was. Even Tom Petty. Yeah, all of them, right? You'd think such net worth, you'd do some estate planning. Yeah, and they all died without wills or estate plans. That crazy. Now, I got to ask, are song catalogs in what's called the hard-to-value category? So the quick answer is yes, but let's talk about what is a hard-to-value asset. Hard-to-value means it's not something that you can find on the open market and quickly sell it or turn it into cash. Think about a stock or a bond, right? You can sell that pretty quickly, a mutual fund, real estate, your used car, all of those things we can get a value on it pretty quickly without too much headache. But songs, closely held businesses, you know, unique pieces of art or antique furniture, right? You have to find a buyer and you have to figure out how to value that, which often involves appraisals or anything more complex, right? Think about how do we put a value on Prince's little red Corvette and the future value that that is going to generate to his estate. Or Respect by Aretha Franklin compared to Taylor Swift, right? Let's look at Fleetwood Mac's dreams, right? So... It was a legacy classic rock song, but then all of a sudden the guy on the skateboard drinking the cranberry juice, right? It became this huge hit. Huge. All of a sudden the value is that. So that's hard to value. It is because you never know what's going to happen, right? Is something going to come back out after 50 years in the vault and suddenly be a top 10 hit again? Think about all the stuff with Queen and Bohemian Rhapsody. There you and go, yeah. How many times did that get back to number one over the last 50 years? So a couple of months ago we were talking about this and you said, I think I know why. It's because you do need to capture the value at a certain point, there makes a reason that you've got to capture some sort of value, like in Dylan's case, 300 to 400 million bucks. Right. So what happens is if you die with a music library and the future royalties, right, your estate is going to have to put a valuation on that within nine to 15 months after death because they have to pay an estate tax on that. The valuation in itself could take that long and you know what's going to happen, right? The state wants to value that low so they don't have to pay a lot of tax. And the IRS is going to come back and do the exact opposite. You so mentioned you're going that to with be in Prince, audit. With Prince, right? Absolutely. You mentioned, yeah. So they, they came in with one figure and then somebody else, the government came in with another. Right. And so what happens is there gets to be a battle about, A, what's it worth and who has the rights over it. So it gets to be a struggle that if you have those closely held assets, you need to make sure you're doing planning. 
people are listening and they're thinking, well, Jill and Danny, this is a, a fascinating topic, but what's this mean for me? What does this mean for our clients? And you started to get there. Yeah. And what it means for our clients is if you have hard to value assets, things that are not easy to sell, you can't turn them into liquid cash or other types of assets quickly, right? You need to make sure you're doing planning for it. So A, that the right person ends up with it if you want it to go specifically to someone. But you may also want to start thinking about how to liquidate that during your lifetime because then we eliminate those appraisal headaches and the valuation problems that come after someone passes away and you're eliminating those headaches for family members by doing the planning now. I mean, we're talking about art or classic cars or jewelry? or Closely ar- held businesses is oh. a great one, right? So if you're a closely held business owner, you want to make sure that you have a plan in place for A, how are you going to transition that? Or how are you going to sell it to make sure that it goes to the right people without headaches? And making sure that there's a liquidity event, whether it's life insurance or something like that, that can not force a fire sale on these assets. Assets for a less than fair market value. So chances are you've never written a song, gone on tour. That doesn't mean you can't put things in order through a well thought out estate plan that sings in harmony with the rest of your investment and retirement plan. See what I did there? I did. Annex Wealth Management can help. AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Jill Martin, estate planning attorney at Annex Wealth Management. Always good stuff. Thank you. You're welcome. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. Here's an understatement. The last 12 months have been a roller coaster, right? Because of the pandemic, most Americans have increased their focus on investment and retirement planning. But what if you haven't taken that all-important first step? Annex Wealth Management can help. We'll create a solid plan for you that includes investment, retirement, tax, and estate planning. It's time to take us up on that free portfolio review. AnnexWealth.com. Click the Get Started button. Know the difference with a fee-only fiduciary. That's Annex Wealth Management. Custom-tailored investment and retirement planning from a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show. We're back, Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. Brian Fiore, branch director at Annex Wealth Management in Naples is here. Hey, Brian. Good morning, Danny. Guess what else is back? Our old friend, the RMD. After a break last year as part of the CARES Act, RMDs are now... Required. They also come with some complexities and rules. We're going to go through them. Hey, Brian, before the SECURE Act, when did RMDs need to be taken? Right. So before January 1st, 2020, when all this went into place, 70 and a half was the magic number when you were, whatever year you turned 70 and a half, that's what triggered things. Now, currently in 2021, if you're 72 this year or older, RMDs are now triggered. And how about the complexity of the new RMD start dates? Well, it's grandfathered. So back in January 1st, 2020, you were either 70 and a half or you weren't. So if you were not, then now you're under the new rules where, you know, the year you turned 72, that's where you're ready to go. If you were 70 and a half before January 2020, then obviously you were taking RMDs anyway. The first year that you take, they do allow you to push that out till the next year, April 1st, up till the April 1st of the next year. So that could be good or bad if you do push it out. For example, if this is your first year of taking an RMD that you have to, you could push it out to April 1st of 2022 next year. But then next year, you would also have the next year's RMD as well. So you'd be doubling up next year. If that's helpful or beneficial in a tax way, then maybe you do that, um, but it's not necessary. And, and most people actually don't do that because it's not helpful often. Yeah, and it could be complex, and that's what Annex Wealth Management can help you do. Brian, what accounts do RMD rules apply to? Pretty much all sponsored retirement plans 
So names or numbers or names like 401ks, 403bs, 457s. Also the regular IRAs, the simple IRAs, SEP IRAs, those types of things. Even if you have a Roth 401k, it applies to that as well. So if you have a regular Roth IRA, there's not a required minimum distribution. But if you have a Roth 401k, this rule applies to that as well. We're chatting with Brian Fiore, Branch Director, Annex Wealth Management Naples, talking about the return of RMDs in 2021. Brian, could you walk us through the fixed distribution rule and how that works? Most of our listeners probably know, but you used to be able to inherit an IRA and take it over the rest of your lifetime. That's not the case now unless you are, for non-spouse inheriting folks inheriting an IRA, that's no longer the case. Um, if you are a spouse of someone who passed away and you inherit their IRA, you can still treat it like your own and do it over your lifetime. Non-spouse folks' distributions, they're now making a requirement that total distribution of that inherited IRA has to take place within 10 years. So that's definitely a difference. A Roth IRA is still in that same boat, except if you inherit a Roth IRA when you're taking out assets from it, it's not taxable. And that's the benefit of some pre-planning and getting assets into Roth IRAs and regular IRAs. But those inheriting a regular IRA, when you take those out yourself later on in the first 10 years or up to 10 years, that, that is taxable income. Besides spouses, there are a couple other exceptions, like disabled individuals don't have to meet the 10-year rule. Or if an individual is not 10 years younger than the person owning the IRA or plan who passed away, if you're not 10 years younger, there could be exceptions for you. Or if it's a minor child who's not 18 yet or full age, they don't have to start their clock until they do become full age or non-minor. So there could be a few exceptions, but in general, if you're not a spouse, you have 10 years to take a total distribution. I think it was like a year ago that there was some talk about some changes to RMDs, maybe even moving it up to 75. I haven't seen anything lately. Have you heard anything new? No, but we have a new administration and they're always looking at how we're going to pay for things going forward in the different tax levels. So this year, it appears the RMD is going to stick. But you never know. Between now and the end of the year, they may change their mind or they may adjust things based on all of the things that uh, Congress and folks are trying to pass as far as taxes and incentives. So if you don't have to take your required minimum distribution this year or you don't have to take much of it to cover your living expenses and things like that, then I would suggest waiting. Maybe by the middle of the year or late year, um, you may not have to take your required minimum distribution. That's probably not likely, but it's possible. It did happen last year uh, with the things that are going on and the amount of stimulus and ways to pay for it that they're trying to think about and, and things that may be changing this year. It, it wouldn't hurt you to wait. And as always, Annex Wealth Management is ready to assist with investment and retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning. And we do it as a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference. Website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Brian Fiore, Branch Director, Annex Wealth Management, Naples. Thanks for your time. Thank you, Danny. Good to speak with you. We're going to take a quick break. We are going to be right back to wrap things up. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. It starts with a call. With one call, you can start seeing your future more clearly. If your financial picture is cloudy because you're getting conflicting tax, investment, and estate planning advice, help is a call or a click away. Annex Wealth Management's team works to get your investment plan in line with your tax plan and your estate plan. Build confidence with one team working to create one comprehensive plan as a fee-only fiduciary. Annex Wealth Management. One team, one plan, one fee. AnnexWealth.com. Planning and investment insight from a fee-only fiduciary, and we put that in writing. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show. 
We're back. Addicts Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. If you came in late, this show will be on our Spotify channel starting at 9 a.m. this morning. Our website, AnnexWealth.com. Derek Felsker, Chief Investment Officer here, along with Dave Spano, President and CEO, Annex Wealth Management. Thanks, Danny. You, know, you asked a great question early in the show about, you know, you know, there's so much positive news and where do we go from here? And I just want to touch on a bunch of the positive news that we've seen. We Obviously, we talked about the economic stuff, but there's no question, Derek, that wealth effect has gone up, and that goes into investor psyche. That's right. I mean, housing prices, I saw the median home sale was up 17% year over year. Uh, we know the equity markets have essentially doubled from the March 23rd lows, so people are feeling wealthier, and there continues to be lots of liquidity and positive sentiment. And those are two, typically, those are two drivers of stocks. We have lots of cash on corporate balance sheets. Uh, we have bank deposits continuing to climb. We have money fund assets at higher levels levels in pre-COVID. So essentially that's money that's sitting on the sideline, earning not much in the way of interest and household net worth is at an all-time high. Now, again, you know, we always talk about volatility and taking advantage of that. Corrections happen at any time and they typically happen very quickly. We saw that the small cap index recently almost touch a 10% correction from its high. We saw that earlier with the NASDAQ. So again, it, it talks about balanced portfolios, rebalancing, taking a look at overlapping holdings and the like to try to get your risk-adjusted returns more closer to your target allocations. And there's so many people that either set it and forget it, either they do it by themselves or they've hired an organization that set it, sets it and forgets it and goes on to the next client. That's not what we do. We certainly have to say that the facts and circumstances change and every day there is evidence that proves that. And therefore, you have to look at your portfolio and say, where should we overweight or where should we underweight? You said something about small caps. Value stocks is another idea that people should th- take a look Right. I mean, volatility in your portfolio is driven primarily by your equity allocation because that's where the volatility lies. And, you know, one of the things that I like about our firm versus others, and I've worked at a couple, is that we meet on a weekly basis as an investment committee and we rebalance based on real time observations, not because it's the end of the quarter, the end of the year. And I think that's advantageous to our clients because we're taking advantage of the markets as they are, not where they are on a specific calendar date. And, you know, the last thing I want to talk about, we spend so much time talking about equities because that's where the risk is and certainly that's where a lot of volatility is. The other side is fixed income and you know people have put so much pressure on you know not buying bonds but as interest rates move bond prices move as well and I just want to talk real quickly about fixed income in people's portfolios. So when I think about fixed income I think about spreads over treasuries because it, the 10 year is yielding 1.53 that's really that's below the rate of inflation so essentially you're locking in a loss if you hold those for 10 years so what a lot of investors have done is they've reached for greater risk, whether it's through bank loans, high yield bonds and the rest, corporate bonds. And at, at some point, those spreads become so narrow over treasuries that you're really not getting paid for the risk. So in many ways, there are ways to maneuver your fixed income allocation to consider other vehicles that offer a, a paycheck, which is what you're really looking for from your fixed income, like preferred stocks, which most uh, 401k plans do not offer, bank loans, another area where if you believe the economy is going to re- remain strong and default risk is low, you get paid a higher higher interest rate. So fixed income is not monolithic, and it requires the same sort of diligence that the equity piece does. That's really good. And uh, you talk about 
asset allocation and where you're putting your bets and are they in your qualified plan where there's tax deferral, are they not? As the conversation about tax planning continues to evolve, and it's going to, obviously there's a lot of change that could come with estate taxes, capital gains taxes, personal income taxes. It's really important to understand asset location. In other words, where are those assets? Are they in an IRA? Are they outside of an IRA? Should you have your stocks here and your bonds there? And that happens on a daily basis, Derek, when we put portfolios together. People come in and we say, this is where your assets are, and then we break it down one by one. Yeah, if you think about it, it's it's probably safe to say that the current tax rates we're dealing with are as low as they're going to be for quite some time, given all the money we've spent on fiscal stimulus and the rest. So it certainly advantages you to put as much as possible into qualified accounts, whether it's a 401k, an IRA, and so on, because over time that compounds tax-free, and that's advantageous. And you think about you know where this could go with capital gains rates. I, I frankly think it's not going to get anywhere near where Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren are projecting they are, but there's no question that it's important. This is the reason why, if you're hearing this this morning, there's a way to make sure that you get comfort going forward. You probably have worked really hard for a really long time and amassed a great investment portfolio. Is it lined up? Is it working together? If you're working with somebody else, do they have your best interests in mind? Investment retirement planning is what Annex Wealth Management does, but we combine it with tax planning. We combine it with estate planning. We're not sending it out to different people. It's under one roof. It's one plan, complete plan built for you and your situation. Most important thing, we're one fee, a fee-only fiduciary. Start today. Head to AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Thank you for listening. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. The Annex Wealth Management Show is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation.